and and see what's going on in the NBA. You know, we just a few more weeks, Cleveland, before the NBA opens up, man. Can you believe it? It's just it's going to be like 60 days since your Lakers and the Denver Nuggets, excuse me, your Lakers and the um, Miami Heat met in the finals and the Los Angeles Lakers winning their 17th title. Yes, it was. It seems like just yesterday, doesn't it, Cam? Seems like just yesterday. Oh, oh my goodness. So, again, one thank you guys for tuning in, however you're tuning in. But we're going to do this, Levon. It's November 11th. Happy Veterans Day for everybody who served and ha- who's serving and have served this country. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your courage. We thank you for your service. Something I wasn't big big enough to do. Um, Cleavon, I don't know if you served, but anybody who has served and have served, I really – Thank you for your your patronage. It's week one. It's week one twelve. So every day, every week, we give you numbers, Cleveland. We just talked. We just talked. It seemed like yesterday we just talked about the numbers. Number eleven. Um, and I try to convince you that Edgar Martinez might be the one who wore, wore number eleven best, the Hall of Famer out of the state of Washington. But you, you had you had uh, somebody else that wearing a number eleven, right? Uh, yes, first, last, and always, the first person that comes to mind and the person that wore it best is uh, Isaiah Thomas, point guard of the Detroit Pistons, two-time NBA champion. Okay, and no Yao Ming in that? No Young Ming there? No, or, no, what, no. What, what about, that, what about like your – The beginning, the middle, and the end. It, it begins the middle and the end is Isaiah Thomas. What, if, what about your guy your, your from your alma mater? Uh, Marcus Tuyasasopo. One of the most impressive college games I've ever seen a human being play. Uh, threw for 300 and ran for 200. It was, man, a sight. He was simply unstoppable in that game. And certainly that is a very vivid memory. Um, a Rose Bowl champion beat Drew Brees, as a matter of fact. But uh, oh, wow. the, person that wore, the person that wore it best is uh, Isaiah Thomas. Okay, well, when we talk about the number 12, I'm sure that you're going to say uh, the Hall of Fame point guard from the city of Utah to dream team member, the only guy, the dream team, who could walk down the streets of Barcelona without being recognized, Mr. John Stockton wore the number 12 best, right? You know, he's probably the person that comes to mind first, but I really I really do think it is uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, quarterback, Jim Kelly. The more you think about it, what? the more you have to think how what? the more you think about it, the more you have to think about how amazing it is to reach the Super Bowl what? four consecutive years. Although he did not win one of those, and John Stockton also did not win a championship, which is why it's of, of a conversation. Uh, you know, Jim Kelly may have worn it best. Whoa, this is a revelation, fans. I couldn't get this guy a year ago to talk anything about Jim Kelly and what the Buffalo Bills accomplished. Are you kidding me? Man, as far okay. as wearing the number twelve, the best. It's quite. It's it's possible. I, I certainly, I certainly, I certainly up feel. In New uh, and, and now who's to, uh, toiling in, in misery in Tampa Bay? I thought, I'm for sure you say that kid. Well, I mean, TV twelve. You know, his legacy isn't complete just yet, and I just don't like the way he's uh, finishing up his career. Mm, no, because he's not with the. He's not, he's out of that fantastic system away from the great coach, huh? I mean, the 6-3 and three to, is quite impressive. We'll yeah, the nine Super Bowls, we'll it, it is what it is, but the four consecutive is uh, 
it, it's quite an accomplishment the more I think about it. Just kind of watching the NFL has its oh has its evolved and kind of what things are going on. So Oh yeah. my goodness. Just, and this, and t- he's talking about somebody who did not win the championship? Oh my goodness. This is a revelation for the fans. Fans, mark it on your calendar. Cleveland is giving credit to somebody who did not win a championship. Oh my goodness. This is this is amazing. Cleveland, you're finally coming around. That's what, you're finally showing some growth and coming around, man. After all these years of me pounding on you, you're finally showing some growth and coming around. That's good. I'm I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I I may feel differently. You know, next time the conversation comes around, but for right now, I'm 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 feeling like giving Jim Kelly some love here. Mm, it, that's oh, man. Okay, okay. That's uh, they, well, they appreciate that. Cleveland, before we get into our topics of the day. I got something I got to get off of my chest. Now, I've been, had this discussion with a lot of different people. It's been recorded. It's been on air. It's been on the the podcast. It's been on my YouTube page. It's been on various discussions I've had since December, I believe, December of last year. I was... Well, no, we'll, this will go back into August of last year when the first time I heard about my Miami Dolphins talking about tanking for Tua. And it, that, that that whole phrase, I was not a fan of tanking philosophy. And so the more I heard that phrase, the more it soured me on Tua himself. The more I heard the phrase tank for Tua, it signifies that you're going to take some losses in order to get one particular individual. So it made me look deeper at this one individual. It made me be more critical of one specific individual. And the only critic, criticism I could find, the kid came off the bench to win a national championship, playing for one of the most storied franchises in college football, one of the more storied coaches in college football, one of the more storied franchises in college football, to kind of change this franchise, change their organization from a running team, defensive team, to a team with a passing game. Since he's been there, they've been a team with a passing game, believe it or not. He kind of changed that the, the dynamics of that organization, that uh, collegiate program. And a few snaps, he went from obscurity to college football superstar in just a few snaps. So it brought, a whole, brought millions of eyes upon him. The following season, he ends up suffering some injuries, whether one ankle, the left ankle, the right ankle, the broken finger, the hip surgery. There was a multitude of injuries that had me concerned about whether this player, Mr. Tua Tagovailoa, was he worth tanking, number one. I don't think any player is worth tanking, but the way things out, they end up playing the winning a few games, and they didn't tank. The Dolphins couldn't tank all the way to get the first pick, but they got the number five pick. And the thing that scared me most was, 
concerned about his injuries, not about the quarterback that he can become, not about his the, his play on the field, but certain the injuries. Would he be able to last? Would he be able to play for an extended eight, nine, ten years that you expect a quarterback to produce when you draft him so high early in the draft? That was my concern. Not a performance on the field concern, but um, a longevity concern. Could he survive? Could he last? So, Cleveland, the Miami Dolphins, my team since 19, I think I became a Dolphin fan in 1981, Fulton Walker versus the back versus the Washington Redskins. And Joe Theismann and I sat and watched as the Killer Bees lost to Joe Theismann and John Riggins and took that one on a chair. It was a tough one to watch. And that was many moons ago. A few short later, a few short years later, I got to see Danny Dandy Dan Marino lead the team to the Super Bowl, and we took it on the team versus San Francisco 49ers. It's been a long time since I've seen my team in the Super Bowl. But I've been a fan all these years. And now, Cleveland, they finally appear to have a quarterback that has some longevity if he can only stay healthy. Again, that was my main concern. Could he stay healthy? But I saw a couple of things. I saw I wasn't able to watch the game on Sunday. Wasn't able to watch it live on Sunday. Um, Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, coming off his 92-yard performance against the Los Angeles Rams where the defense and special teams played tremendous football and kind of assisted him to his first W in the NFL. I saw a couple things on Sunday when the Dolphins played the Arizona Cardinals, who I believe were 5-2 and two at the time, and playing hot. They got the kid drafted number one the year before in Kyler Murray, who some would argue is today, right now, a better quarterback than the kid who won the MVP last season. He's quicker, makes better decisions with the ball, can throw it deep, can throw it short, more accurate, more has better football IQ. I can kind of see that argument. But Tua takes his Miami Dolphins into town. And Cleveland, he pulls that game out. And last minute on the last minute drive, or fourth quarter drive, not a last minute drive, in the fourth quarter drive, he's able to down, down, uh, down three points, three points if I remember correctly, was able to lead his team to a final score to take the lead in that game. Well, excuse me, he's down four points to lead them to let him to a touchdown to take a three-point lead. That's what happened in that game. There was a couple plays that I want to highlight, and I wish I could wish we were live so I can pull these up and show them to you guys. But I'm, I'm just going to talk you through a couple plays, a few plays that really signified the true potential of Tua Tagovailoa and the true potential of why fans are so excited. 
late in the fourth quarter. The game went back and forth, by the way. It was a tip for tat. It was a great football game, such a lady football game. If you guys just like football, period. I mean, Miami Miami went to the, took it to the halftime up fourteen, or excuse me, fourteen to seventeen. They were down three points, fourteen to seventeen. Arizona came back and scored, took the lead. Miami went back, took the lead. Arizona came back, took the lead. Miami took the lead, and Arizona on the final in the final moments of the game were driving to kick a fifty fifty something yard field goal that was just short. A veteran kicker missed it. He was just short. I think it was a forty nine yard field goal that he was just short on. That would have tied the game and sent it to overtime. So it was a close game, back and forth, back and forth. But there was a play early in the fourth quarter when Miami was down, needed needing to score. <clears throat> they got the ball. They they took the snap within uh, inside the fifteen, so twelve or thirteen yard line, I think. Where Patrick Peterson, all pro cornerback, nobody would argue that he's not a one of the top five, six cornerbacks in the game. I don't think anybody would argue that. Tua Tagovailoa, left-handed quarterback, drops back and hits receiver on a 17-yard comeback route as Patrick Peterson is kind of backing up, you know, backside on backpedaling, has has his eyes on the quarterback, has his eyes on the receiver, can see everything that's happening in front of him. But he was, because of the accuracy, the quick release, the strong arm, the accuracy of the pass, he was rendered helpless. The receiver drives drives down the field, turns around inside on the on the numbers inside the numbers, turns around before he can kind of turn around. The, the ball's right there on him, makes a pass. I think it was on a second down, second along, first down. The ball, first down. Let's go. The ball continues to move. Beautiful play. It was it was just it was a small play in a in a long drive, but it was just a vision into the accuracy, the anticipation, and the throwing power that Tua Tagovailoa has. Another play, and again, my concern, my only concern was not could he play the game. My only concern was can he stay healthy? That was my concern. It still is my concern, actually. But my whole concern about the tanking for Tua, was it worth it? Drafting him at number five, could he stay healthy? And I don't think you take a, a quarterback. I don't think you take a player, must let alone a quarterback, if you have these concerns at the number five pick. But that's why I do a show, and I'm not an NFL scout or NFL coach, apparently. Because as much as somebody tried, to, people try to tell me and convince me otherwise, I was kind of stubborn. Another play. And this is where kind of changed my mindset and say this this kid might be ready, and the health is the health concern is not a non issue. We all know Buddha Baker he was I'm modern from your college, isn't he? aren't you guys a, yes he is he's a husky okay, so I'm sure you're familiar with that he plays in the uh n f c west one of the toughest divisions in the league right now. I'm sure you're familiar with his tackling prowess, his field awareness, his aggressiveness on the field. Well, 
Tua's caught in a situation where the, the, the line breaks down and he's forced to scramble. And as he's forced to scramble, and he's not he's not Kyler Murray. Let's, let's not get this twisted. He doesn't have the quick twitch of the Kyler Murray. He, I don't think he has the, the foot speed of the Kyler Murray, especially coming off of a, a hip surgery. By the way, Mr. Cleveland, how's your hip doing? You, you somebody else who had hip surgery? You, how, how's your hip doing, sir? Doing much better. Thanks so much for asking. Are, are you on the tennis court yet? I am on the tennis court. been out there uh, several times, actually. Uh, it's been a, a pleasant surprise that uh, I'm feeling no pain. Feeling no pain. So you you recovering pretty well, huh? That's good to know. That's good I, to know. Thank you. I appreciate that. So this kid, who's a few years younger than you, so he probably heals a little bit faster than you. As as the play as the pocket is breaking down and he's forced to kind of step up in the pocket, he decides to scramble. And I don't know if you've seen this play, Cleveland, but he's scrambling and heading to heading you know, steps up in the pocket, breaks to the right, and here's Buddha Baker coming in here to kind of close down closing in on Tua Tagovailoa. Tua puts his right leg in the ground after picking up about three or four years, puts his right leg in the ground, cuts back, and leaves Buda Baker stumbling, fumbling, and grasping for air as he picks up another six or seven yards. I don't know if you saw that play. I said, oh, my goodness. Now, this is this is against a player who's right, who's been pretty hot. Um, I don't know if Buda made a pro, pro Bowl, but I know he's he's well respected for his field awareness and tackling prowess. I know that for sure. So that was another play that Tua stepped up and and made that. Just again, if you could watch the game, watch the game. I happen to catch it on because I was working the Chargers game on on Sunday. I just happened to catch it on Directv or the NFL Network replay today. There was last play, Cleveland, that I'm, I'm going to talk to you about was, I don't know if you saw this play or not. Another play where the, the pocket is, and here here's again my concern. He got hurt with the best money, the best offensive line that money could buy. So he got hurt. Now he's going to Miami Dolphins, number five. Their, their line is mediocre at best. The coaches are have forced to run some schemes. Of course, they want some trick plays. Use their running game is kind of to disguise some of the, the inefficiencies in the offensive line. Well, the, when Tua breaks down, uh, he drops back, the line breaks down, and he has to scramble. He scrambles to his left. He sees the defensive end right defensive end coming in and closing the pocket down. He turns his head, something you're not supposed to do against the defense, turns his head, looks the other way, says, oh, can't go there. Steps back up in the pocket. There's a, the, As the right side is closing in, the left side is closing in just as fast. Says, oh, can't go there, can't go there. He steps up, there's a hole in the middle. <laughs> Let me shake somebody and run up the middle. So he runs up and breaks up after picking up about 12 yards on a run. Two defenders, well, excuse me, before he breaks through the line, two defenders 
think it's a linebacker, think it's a defensive tackle. I mean, he's quick enough that he gets through both of these guys, and they collide in themselves. They collide and hit each other as he sprints down the field for picks up another 12, 13 yards. But then there's a two a cornerback and a safety that's ready to meet him inside the 20-yard line, and he doesn't hook slide. To a lower, lower his shoulder and takes the defender on. Falls forward for a few yards. I said, oh, my goodness. Not a, more field awareness. Just a, enough quickness just to elude the defenders. And then a willingness to take on the defenders before he goes down. That showed me some heart, some moxie. Again, more field awareness. It was certainly an impressive game for me. It certainly impressed me. Uh, uh, somebody who was not ecstatic about them drafting him in the first place. I was I was very pleased, very happy to see as a longtime Dolphin fan him play and him produce as he did on the field against the Arizona Cardinals. Cleveland, they go ahead. As I mentioned, Arizona tried to tie the game up. It was a tit for tat. They went back and forth. Arizona missed a field goal late in the game to to tie it up. That would have sit in an overtime. Do you recall any of the plays I'm talking about? And give me give the fans your feedback on the plays I just reviewed. Okay. Well, first, uh, Cam, those were those, those were very very kind words that you that you came up with and um, excellent narration of uh, some of the highlights of Tua Tagovailoa's second game as a Miami Dolphin quarterback. Um, but to be to be perfectly honest with you, um, the fans just aren't buying it. I mean, they, 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 they understand your half-hearted, insincere, you know, makeshift apology that you're kind of trying to come up with and that, you know, you, you have – you know, kind of come to the light and seeing the error in your ways. Um, I, I know you, you refer to them as your dolphins a few times, um, but uh, according to three yeah, my dolphins. nation, and, my and, dolphins, and I've, I've, been, I've been around. I've been speaking with them at length. I've been speaking with them at length. Um, they have gone on record saying that uh, they are no longer your dolphins. Um, you have questioned leadership at every turn. A Belichick disciple, you, you weren't happy with him. You, you weren't happy with uh, them trading Laramie Tunsil. You weren't happy with them trading Jarvis Landry. You weren't happy with them trading Mika Fitzpatrick. You weren't happy with them letting Ryan Tannehill go. You weren't happy with them well, you know, trying it, to develop a culture that, all of the back. time. Fans, I'm sure that you recall that back when we were – you know, kind of in our early infancy stages of the show, Camp used to play these uh, cool little Miami Dolphin songs every week. Extreme optimism for what things were, you know, going to be in the future. I mean, this new uh, Tua Time song, that's great, but this isn't a trend that he's had for, for quite some time. And let us not forget, fans, Cam has been through a lot with these Dolphins. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that his grip on the bandwagon just slipped 
over time, it's just been too tough to deal with the mounted up losses. The missing the playoffs over and over and over again. The beat down to Bill Belichick and his Patriots. It just got to be too much. You know? Cam was starting to feel like he was having to walk down Dennis Beach in his uh, lime green biker shorts all by himself. You know, that's an embarrassing look. Being a Miami Dolphin fan, hanging on for dear life when there's just no, there's just no beacon of hope. Fans, we all know, Cam has never been a Tua Tagovailoa fan. As a matter of fact, he wanted to cash in the entire the entire draft to get Jeff Burrow. And didn't understand excuse me, Joe Burrow. And doesn't understand why they didn't pull the trigger on that trade. Now all of a sudden he's got a flower lay around his neck. <laughs> Ray Ray to sing Melik Leaky Maka to to whoever got- wants to hear his version. You know? If this is Mahalo. For everybody, and that, you know that's that's fine, but the fans know that it comes from a place of insincerity. You know what I'm saying? So, whatever you're saying, yeah, when they're five and three and kind of on the upswing, yeah, it looks good, but it also looks like you prematurely jumped off the bandwagon, and now it's okay. kind of starting to catch the momentum. And so now you kind of got your uh, your apex gloves back on, and you're trying to jump back on, but uh, the bandwagon is moving a little too swift, my friend. So 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 let's back up. So let's back up, Cleveland. Let's back up. It was three weeks ago, three this three short weeks ago, and I may have questioned it. I'm not sure if I questioned it with you on the show. I'm not positive, but I know I posted this. Three three short weeks ago, that I wanted to see Tua on the field and play. I didn't want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick. I wanted to see Tua. I wanted to see what Tua can do. Was he ready for the big time? Well, of course that sounds great after his uh, impressive victory over the Arizona Cardinals. But let's again, let's not act like no, you've but... been really a big Tua fan at, at, at any turn. It was a disappointing pick I, for I you. It was a disappointing. I, I... It was a disappointing strategy to even try and position yourself to get someone like a Tua Tagovailoa, uh, some would say a generational player. I believe you had an interview with a Pro Bowl receiver in TJ Ushmanzada who told you this months ago, and you just poo-pooed all over his whole premise and philosophy about it. But now that you're seeing the, you know, the results on the field, it's a completely, you know, different position that you're taking. A 180, some would say, and. I'm just saying the fans the fans see through you the transparency, but uh, you know jumping back on it's the okay. bandwagon, yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time to do I so. Know. They're five and three, uh, one one game out of first place in the uh, you know in the AFC East. I mean, quite possibly could win that division. So it's a good time to try and jump back on. Well, it's not jumping back on a bandwagon, sir. It's it's reserving my seat. My seat's been there. It's been reserved. I was it has been, and you and you and you uh, you gave it up. You know, this is very similar, Cam. I don't know if you remember this back in the day. A team called the Golden State Warriors had a very difficult decision to make, and it wasn't popular. An all-pro point guard got shipped out of town. A guy named Monte Ellis, in favor of a guy with bad ankles and you know pretty good uh, 
you know, pedigree with regards to his father was a, you know, a three-point champion. A little light in the ass. Barely 6'2", 175 pounds, soaking wet. Guy named Steph Curry. But they made the trade. They changed the culture and the environment. They brought in Steve Kerr, and look how things went. Very, very similar to you and your Dolphins. I mean, you know, last year about this time, you, you questioned everything about them, from their ownership to their general manager to their coaching to the music they were listening to in the locker room, <laughs> to, the, to the to to the parking lot attendant, um, not not you know tra- you know trying to get an extra five dollars to park your car, everything about the organization you didn't like. So so now they're so today, now, now they're five and three. So today, fans, with the throwing so Samoan, with the throw with the throwing Samoan, and all of a sudden you're you know you're you're back on board, and you know there's no reason that you shouldn't be. Trying to get back on board, but it's just not the same. Uh, it's just not the same feel, Cam. So, so it's not die right, hard. So it, it's not well, die hard. Not it's, again, it, it, again, it, I was, it, I was it, with it, the you died, you, you died, you died hard with them. That's that's the problem. Is that you gave me heart and soul, and eventually you just died off. I was with. The but team, now that you're seeing kind of kind of where it's going. Old, when they were zero and eight, and we got lucky against the Baltimore Ravens, and some kid named. Rich Camarillo caught a 83-yard bomb, and we end up winning the game. Like I was, I was with, was with that team when we go one and fifteen. It was with the team when I've been with these things. You for somebody to question my fandom of the Miami Dolphins is is outright um, blasphemous. And 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 it's it's not blasphemous, Cam, because because everyone that has, that has listened to our show. And it's not it's not your fault, Cam. It's not your fault. And don't blame yourself, okay? It's fatigue. It's fatigue over years, over decades of this. You were just tired of rooting for a booty team. You were tired of the embarrassment. You were tired of having to having having to defend a team that you you really couldn't defend wholeheartedly, so you let go and you jumped off. So, so Cleveland, you, you you make some valid points. You make you make some valid points. The fatigue was certainly there. The heartache was certainly certainly there. The the grip, unfortunately, you're wrong. The grip has not um, ha, has not lessened its strength. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. You you only have to go back like maybe four shows. Everyone knows your your true position. It's on tape, my friend. You can't, you okay. can't, like, you can't, and, and backtrack now. Well, I'm not you know, backtracking. You know, you know when, when there's a new set, when there's new to, a new set of evidence, when there's a new set of uh, circumstances that presents itself, you know, I must correct. Right, my, right, my, but 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 you've but you've already jumped off though. No, no, that's what I'm saying. You'd already no. had enough. You, no. you'd already had enough. You, so, you already had enough of Miles Gaskin starting at, at running back. You'd already well, had, yeah, enough certainly, certainly of, had enough of, 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 of Flores and and his and his shenanigans. You'd already well, had well, enough. So I had a conversation hearing had, about to, uh, today. I had a conversation with Flores today. I, I had a believe it or not, I had a conversation, a true conversation that would be available on Voice of the Fans YouTube page later on this evening. I had a, co- a conversation with Flores today, and. About the direction of the team, about what he saw in in Tua when he when he drafted him, um, 
it was a pretty engaging conversation, and I have to say, Cleavon, he made some great points, and he kind of made me a fan. He he made me a fan again. He re- he made you believe again. He, he made you believe again. Yeah. This was not this was this was not Wanstad throwing the ball three times from the from the three yard line in the snow. So you again, you understand? Well, I don't know why you bring up these, these frustration points. I don't know why you because I because because Cam, I don't know I'm trying to help you through. I don't know why you're trying to help you through because I'm trying to help you through. You don't call those. You don't recall those situations. When we have, when we have, I dance, do. I do recall those playoffs, situations. We, you, you cannot recall those situations when we have a chance to go to the playoffs and you have the best running back in the NFL and you decide to drop back three times to win the game. What I don't know. Come, why are you doing this, Cleveland? I don't see Cleveland. You're striking a nerve. I don't know. I don't know why you. Why you <laughs> because why you I recall because I fucking David because Warren, I understand. Again, because I understand why it is that he jumped off the bandwagon. This is just a perfect example of that. The fatigue. I know. I know. I know where you were going. Again today, I had. A, I went. I went to. I went to. An, I went to a Dolphin game with you. Could have changed the entire complexion of the season. They were beating the Seattle Seahawks. A beautiful forty-yard. Pass in the air. Some guy named Kenny Stills let it fall off his fingertips. It, it might. It was more like a sixty-yard pass. It was more like a sixty-yard pass. It, it was. It was it, it, it was. it was beautiful. However, it didn't happen, and it just snowballed from there. And you know that's just how the Dolphins have been. So I, you know, I understand why you let go. So Cleveland and seeing their I success, I, under, I understand because you've invested so much time and emotional stress into this that you feel that you rightfully deserve to jump back on even though you did let go. I've never let go. My seat has been waiting for me. My seat has oh. been there all this my seat has been there all these years. And again, God willing, I will be in the press box on Sunday to watch Tua in his third game go up against Justin Herbert and see this in live in action. And fans, I'll bring you a report of what I see on the field. Uh, again, the conversation but, but, I had today. But, but you will be getting you will be getting some cold shoulders. I'm just saying, cold shoulders well, and uh, snubbing well, up the nose. I, I have a I have a um, I have an appointment set with Dolphin Nation on on Saturday evening. Just to, for for just to restate my status and you to, and you to, think you think, get my you think you can smooth you think you can smooth over things, Henry Hill? I don't know. <laughs> no, there's not much smoothing I have to do. They they know where they know where where my heart is. They they've already known where my heart is, and so it's just a little a mild conversation that we need to have. But Cleveland, I want to thank you for challenging that point, and I want to thank you for um well re- raising the issue with the with Dolphin Nation because it, it makes for a much more uh, passionate story when when we do have this conversation. But that doesn't take away from the fact, Cleveland, of what Tua did to the Arizona Cardinals. And now I know you're, you're delighted because it kind of helps you guys out. You're Seattle Seahawks. It helps you guys out. We done knocked off two of the, two of your rivals in the NFC West. 
well, three of the three of your rivals, the Rams, three of the them, Cardinals, yes. the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Niners. Come on now, yeah. I, I know you're, I know you're a Dolphin fan this this year. Come on. Well, I've been a Dolphin fan, uh, Cam. You know. Oh boy, here you know, we go. Uh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. He's he's been a Dolphin fan all these years. Yeah, right. I, I, I um, have a Dan Marino jersey hanging in my closet as we speak. So. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're a fan because you got a damn real jersey. That just means you identify who the best quarterback in the, in the NFL history is. That's all that is. Okay. Nonetheless, well, I, I, understand. I understand trying to get some bonus points and brownie points for those guys. That's cool. Nonetheless, man, so it was a good win for the Dolphins. How did you see that win, man, in all, in, all serious, in all seriousness? How did you see that win for the Dolphins? What did you see out of Tua? What did you see out of Kyler Murray? Do you agree uh, – so there's a few questions here. Do you agree that Kyler Murray is already a better quarterback than the guy who won the league MVP last season? Um, I do agree that he's a better passer. I'm not quite sure that he is nearly as dangerous as Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a bit faster. Um, maybe not quite as twitchy, but of course, you know, Kyler's got a little, you know, lower uh, center of gravity. But um, I'm not quite sure that we're ready to make those Lamar Jackson comparisons just yet. Um, with regards to the game, um, Arizona knew that the Hawks had lost, so it was ample opportunity to take over the division, um, or the, rather, the top seed in the division, um, with the victory that they have over the Hawks and. Um, they weren't able to seize the opportunity. I was quite surprised. Um, and, again, um, wasn't really expecting a whole lot from Tua. Thought he was going to be more game managing. And, um, as it turns out, he was able to make plays that you aforementioned and illustrated quite nicely. Um, you know, some nice runs, some nice throws. Um, certainly looks like the timing was right with regards to kind of bringing him into the fold. Um regardless of, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's feelings about the whole thing. It looks like it was a, a good time to make that transition. And um, I think that the future looks bright for those guys. And, you know, dare I say, midway through the season, they are in a dogfight for the division. Yeah, well, they're in a dogfight in the division with the team that uh, smacked around the Seattle Seahawks um, earlier on Sunday evening, as you mentioned, or Sunday, Sunday as you mentioned. Um, I mean, I have some other questions I want to go into, but since we're talking about it, Cleveland, we knew Buffalo, you know, has their quarterback, Josh Allen, who likes to throw a ball all over the field. Um, they have a couple um, big-time running backs. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, Seattle has Russell Russell Wilson. They have Tyler Lockett. They have finally have some – Russell Wilson finally has some receivers. And Tyler Lockett – and DJ Metcalf, who's surprising everybody and playing above what everybody anticipated, um, but he's a, playing like a top five receiver in the game these days, with the help of Russell Wilson dropping bombs from everywhere on the, anywhere on the field. Um, obviously, doing his thing, running the ball, picking up first downs and key first downs, as I mentioned. Um, but the defense, the other side of the ball, they make a trade for Jamal Adams. Um, they send away their tackle, their tackler, and and, and digs to to New York. Uh, they don't sign Jadavian Clowney, um, you know, with salary reasons or whatever. They don't sign them, and they still don't have a pass rush. Uh, they have Bobby Wagner running around there trying to uh, defend each and every hole, but without 
proper pass rush, there's only so you know defenders can only co- cover so much. Uh, the cornerbacks can't seem you, you know if you don't have a pass rush, they can cover the guys for four seconds, but then on that six, seven, eight seconds, you know the receiver's going to get open. You can't cover anybody that long. What is the problem on the defense? Is this fixable? As just as uh, Pete Carroll signs a new uh, contract extension, um, I, I you know it was my it was my understanding that Pete Carroll's been a defensive coach all these years. Uh, Ken Norton is there. Is is Ken Norton the issue? What what's the issue on the defensive side of the ball? What's going on uh, from the two hundred six in, in in your standpoint? Well. Uh, statistically speaking, this is the uh, you know one of the worst defenses of the last 15 years. Um, there's really not a whole lot of excuse and explanation that you can come up with. Um, it, it's far too early to call the Jamal Adams trade uh, a mistake by any stretch of the imagination. Um, how long? Is it, how many games he, has he played? He, he got traded in a week three been, or four. How many games no, have he got, actually he played? Got, he, got tra- he got traded before the season. Um, okay. He ended his growing out the second game. Okay. So so he so he played yeah. three games. So, so unfortunately, he's missed uh, he's missed about five games there in the in the middle of the season. But certainly, you can see that his his impact on the on the field. Um, and it wasn't a mistake. He he, he definitely um, is a game changer. Especially from a a blitzing standpoint. Did he play yesterday? I guess he did play. Or on Sunday? Did he play on Sunday? He he, he played on Sunday, and uh, he actually had some socks in there. And he he's most certainly an upgrade from Bradley McDougal, who they traded for him. So to say that that it was a mistake to do that, I, I won't. I'm not going to go that that far with it. Um, Carlos Dunlap came in um, and also had an impact. Lost in all of this in uh, just how poorly the, the Seahawks defense did look. They did actually have seven sacks in the game, and they only had seven sacks coming into, this, into the game for the whole entire season. So they had more sacks in that game than they had had for the entire season prior to that. Um, the secondary is horrible. Um, they do need to, to be able to get more pressure on the quarterback. Um, you just cannot get picked apart by a team that is not that, you know, traditionally offensively explosive. Uh, the Buffalo Bills don't have a whole lot of, you know, firepower, to be honest. Um, well, what's Stephon Diggs do in that game? Embarrassing. What's Stephon Diggs doing in that game? Stephon Diggs had himself a nice game, as most uh, wide number one wide receivers do against the uh, Seahawks. I mean, for crying out loud, I, believe, I think Cam Newton damn near through for 400 yards against the Seahawks. So um, not a great accomplishment, and that's unfortunate um, that a team that once prided itself on, you know, being one of the you know best defenses in the history of the game is now, you know, trying to figure out how to not be one of the worst defenses in the history of the game. Um, on the other side, I mean, clearly Russell threw, uh, had a few too many turnovers. However, they did still score 34 points. So, I mean, I don't want to say that's promising because you don't want to just – continue to try and beat teams 38-36 every game. So um, definitely some adjustments need to be made. Um, Hopefully they get a little bit healthier uh, at the running back position. 
um, the one and two backs have been hurt in Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. Um, missing, you know, Shaq Griffin, the number one corner. The other corners suck. You know, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Um, you can kind of throw all over them. So, you know, and when they had a tendency to get a little aggressive, I mean, all you had to do is call a screenplay and, you know, it's a 40-yard pickup. It was kind of pretty predictable and uh, um, embarrassing that they let that happen in Buffalo um, because, again, this week we have a team, you know, the Rams that has a lot more, uh, you know, offensive, uh, you know, firepower and uh, nuances to, you know, formations and whatnot uh, that could really give the Seahawks problem. And, you know, I got an Aaron Donald on the other side, so. Certainly not the easiest of victories coming off a very uh, difficult, disappointing loss, but you know I have confidence that the Seahawks can uh, make it happen. I'm not ready to jump off just yet, Cam. You know what I'm saying? 415 my, yards. My, 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 my grip's my grip's still pretty tight on this. Oh, whole listen thing. to you. Listen to you. <laughs> grip's too tight. Okay, that was that was a. I would say that was a bad Seahawks versus good Bills. What would you say? Oh, I would I would definitely say bad Seahawks from the from the opening kickoff. Not sure if you saw the game, but uh, got ran back to the uh, you know the Seahawks forty. It looked weird from there, and then they scored it was uh, two times real quick. Yeah, it was seventeen and yeah, nothing and before blink. you know before before I try to could even sit down to get comfortable. Yeah, in the blink of an eye. So uh, you know these things happen. Um, definitely a. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call it a bad Seahawk loss. Uh, I'm not really ready to uh, to crown those guys just yet. You know what I'm saying? You want to crown them, crown their ass, but uh, I'm not ready to crown them just yet. Okay. Um, another another blowout victory. Since we're talking about blowout victories, uh, we saw the New Orleans Saints, my Super Bowl prediction, my Super Bowl team. Route the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and your guy TB12 and Gronk and Antonio Brown and that team of bandits that they have running around Tampa Bay. What did you see in that game? And is New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees are they back on track? Boy, it's hard to say they're back on track, but uh, what a difference a guy named Michael Thomas makes, right? This kind of makes everything flow a lot easier and nicer for those guys. And um, you have to wonder what's up with Gronk and his on-again, off-again shenanigans um, with regards to production on the field. Um, You know, TV 12 seems to be able to kind of get through uh, three games okay and then right back to, you know, kind of a PTSD type of uh, situation back there at quarterback. And that's just not a good thing to have. So, you know. Seeing some of his, uh, you know, counterparts like a, you know, big Ben Roethlisberger, you know, kind of stand back there and just kind of whatever happens, happens, you know, but you're still kind of making the right, you know, reads and the right plays. Tom seems to, uh, you know, if you don't give him five seconds, it's a whole other kind of Tom Brady these days. So uh, that's something that definitely needs to get fixed. But uh, impressive victory by the uh, Saints. Just mauled him. Was never was never in question. Never in question there. Every turn, you know, the defense looked alive. The offense uh, scored when the defense gave him the ball back. Tampa Bay couldn't get anything going, which was uh, kind of strange in a sense. Um, and you're right, they just harassed and, and 
and uh you know the things that that's put out you you know if you look back a few years that there's a pretty good rivalry going on between the cornerbacks of the I think it's Davenport of the Saints and Mike Evans you know Mike Evans sees these guys and he doesn't respond well against the Saints um and for whatever reason for whatever whatever that is uh excuse me uh Marcus Lattimore who who defends and shake up um Mike Evans whatever whatever's going on he just can't perform against these guys and this is you know they swept them they beat them the first game of the year which is understandable that you know they had to work out their kinks and the Saints came in ready to play but then they meet, go to their hometown and just, just demolish them like that that's almost worth two wins right there um, within question, they have to kick a field goal just to kind of get some points on the board, which is not quite Bush League, but they have to kick a field goal just so they don't get shut out. I mean, it's like uh, it's, it really was a wow. Um, and, you know, uh, I think I feel safe and comfortable as, as long as we can play within the division that the Saints will uh, go to the Super Bowl. Uh, my Super Bowl pick is safe. I, I, I'll say that. Um we won another game, and I don't know if you got a chance to see this game. Uh, I think it was actually going on. No, you you guys had the early game on Sunday, but the Raiders and the Chargers actually came down to a last minute play. Uh, did you see? What did you see from this game? And tell me what you see from Josh Herbert. Now the Chargers defense is they're not on par with the Seattle Seahawks, but they give up a lot of points. They get first fifth time that they gave up thirty points. In in a football game, and Herbert is he's playing tremendous football, man. If they had more W's, he might he might go down as MVP. He's definitely going to be the rookie of the year. Uh, he's a stud. As much as you hate to talk about um, anybody from that school down south uh, of Seattle of Washington, this kid has got to be the best QB to come out of that college um, by far. He looks tremendous, and I don't know if you saw this in the Pac-12 while he played the last few years, but I certainly didn't see it. And since he uh, was thrusted into the um, into playing, he's played absolutely lights out football. Except he they failed him on the defensive side of the ball again, giving up five games of thirty points or more, and they gave him thirty one again against the Raiders though that game came down to a last-second play where, you know, a couple uh, called a couple different plays here or there at the, while you're inside the 10, maybe you score and to win that game, and but they just couldn't score to win the game. How do you see that? What do you think of Justin Hurt? How do you see that game against the rivals, the Raiders and the Chargers? And what's your thoughts on Justin Herbert? Well, I think that uh, Justin Herbert definitely makes it a real deep quarterback draft. Um, when you start talking about Burrow, Herbert, and Tua Vailoa, um potentially three uh, franchise uh, quarterbacks in the same draft. So um, from what I've seen from him, he looks extremely cool under pressure. Um, looks like he can make all the throws. He has a great command of the offense. Um, no moment seems to be too big for him. And like you're saying, um, I think he's doing all he can on his end. Um, uh, Asking him to, you know, lead an offense that scores, you know, 30-plus points every week, 
um, is is a little bit uh, unrealistic. Um, from that same in that same vein, though, um, the Chargers just lose too many one possession games, man. I mean, the last what five games? I mean, haven't they all kind of been kind of the same? It's it's kind of you know it comes down to one or two plays here or there, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a rookie quarterback um, that's doing the best that he can. Um, certainly don't want to uh, put too much blame on his plate, but uh, the defense has to be better. They they were supposed to be better, and uh, they just have to find a way to win close games. And I'm not quite. I hope that Mr. Lynn is able to. Uh, Weather this storm, but I'm not very optimistic at this point. Just a few too many of those type of losses. Yeah, it's, it's getting um, it, it's looking bleak. He's a great guy. He's he's great to interview. However, it's looking bleak that uh, he's going to be able to survive this. Uh, I wish. Um, I know it, it's almost you'll call it almost blasphemy to say that because uh, Bradley and his style of defense is kind of. Uh, outlasted themselves in the league because I've, for the last few weeks I've been asking these guys kind of what is it is it it is is it competence or is it competence or commitment that the defense is not getting it done is it the schematic or is it personnel that they're not getting it done and I've gotten very various answers to it um, finally I asked Coach Lynn the other day is, is it talent and <laughs> just came right now is it talent is are the team is not talented enough to get to execute the plays that you're calling on defensive side of the ball. I asked Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley, have you been able to put a finger on what it is that you guys, why you guys can't stop anybody these days? Um, And then he came out and admitted that we're putting uh, young players in bad situations and in situations where they're not uh, able to produce and perform. And I mean, that's a coaching issue right there. Uh, I don't know if he understood what he said, but he he essentially said, I'm not doing my job. Is Is it, is it is it is it coaching though, Cam? I mean, when you put it's not coaching. It's not it's not it's not coaching, bro. It's the, it's the same thing. It's the same here tree. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. But see, but see, here's because here's what the problem is. The scheme works flawlessly when you have Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam okay. Chancellor okay. and Bobby okay. Wagner okay. and Michael okay. Bennett. It works flawlessly. Okay. Okay. When you just have some guys back there, you see the holes in it, and it's okay. much easier to exploit it. Okay. All right. So, Cleveland. Dan, 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 Dan Quinn going through the just same think, thing in Atlanta until he had to hit the road. Ken Norton going through the same thing. Just stick with me. Stick with me here. Just stick with the same mindset. What's happening in Miami? What's happening in Miami? That's what I said. Miami's defense is leading the league in scoring. Is that players or is that coaching? It's a little bit of both. Oh. So, okay, so now you're giving coaches a little bit of credit. Okay. Um, I'm giving them a, a little bit of credit. Yeah. Give them a little bit of credit. Because, so because ultimately so players Dur- make plays. If Derwin James was on the field, obviously this stuff like this wouldn't be happening, right? However – we uh, we see I've seen from the press box that the the cornerbacks are making business decisions. Casey Hayward on a couple of plays is not lowering his shoulder when the when the uh, a guy like Josh Jacobs is coming at him. 
instead he's kind of dancing around and getting out of the way. First down, first down Raiders. Okay, but aren't you okay with with Cats making a business decision, or do you want them uh, jumping in their pile like Odell Beckham Jr. trying to be a hero? Well, I mean, come on, Odell Beckham. Sometimes you got to make a business. Somebody's going to make a business decision. That's fake. I mean, mean, ask Deion Deion Sanders how many times he made a business decision. That's not scheme. That's not coaching. Listen, 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 Cleveland. Let's not confuse. Odell Beckham jumping in the pile is fake hustle. Okay, that's that's totally fake hustle. He he did not square up. He was not positioning himself properly to make a tackle. He jumped on a pile of guys where the ball carrier was already in, in somebody in somebody else's hands. He happened to jump on the pile, and then the the pile ends up rolling over him. That's fake hustle. Don't don't bring that. That's that's not a business decision. His business decision should have been made. Just kind of run out of bounds. Oh, somebody hustle downfield. Somebody got him. Okay, just kind of let me jog on out of bounds. That was the decision he should have made. But he wants to be a star. He wants to be. He's searching for the camera. He's searching for uh, clicks and flicks. So he jumps on a pile, and then we see what happens. Complete different situation. Yes, obviously, to last to extend your career. You're not sticking your head, and 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 Josh Jacobs coming around the corner, you nudge him out of bounds instead of trying to lower your shoulder. A player like eleven uh, year veteran Casey Hayward, uh, obviously that's the situation. But at some at some third on third down, when it's third down and Josh Jacobs is coming around the corner, third down, and you guys are down by seven points and you need to get a stop to give the offensive the ball, you got to stick. In, you got to get in there and make a tackle. So there are situations where you have to do it, and there are situations where that's acceptable. Far too often we've seen where it's not acceptable that they're making business decisions. That's my point. As a leader, gotcha. when you're a leader on when you're when you're a leader on the team, and you see we see this going on too often, then you get players saying, "Well, if he's not doing that, I'm not doing that." And now we have this going on. Well, he didn't do it. I'm not doing it. And now nobody's doing it, and you give up 31 points again. Like, so, yes, clearly there's a difference between making business decisions and playing football. I I understand what you're saying, but understand what I'm saying. There's a time and there's a time and and, um, there's a time to make those decisions. And when you make them at the wrong times, it's, 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 it's a bad look. That's my point. So when you say, uh, I, is it coaching? Um, and again, I, so I I've been trying to dig into this and trying to be as as tactful as I can in asking these questions to try to get the right to get the answers. But it, it, when I ask the coach, you know, I get a chance to talk, talk to Gus, Gus Bradley tomorrow. Give give me some advice. What questions should I ask him? The last time I talked to him, I wanted to know, Gus, have you had some time to think about it and look at it? And then that's it. he gave me a long answer. But when he at the end of the answer, that's what came out. That's what I got from the answer. Um, is I'm putting players in well, the wrong I know position. That, well, Cam, I, I know that you're very good at asking very controversial questions and getting to the bottom of things. So the question simply becomes, do you have the personnel to run your scheme effectively? And he'll either give you a yes or a no, or he'll hum and ha around the situation, but that really is the question. Well, do we have – Do you have uh, – enough personnel to run your scheme effectively. 
because we know that your scheme is effective if you have the right personnel. So it's either you need to make an adjustment on your end or you don't have the personnel to run it effectively. Do you have superstars who's out here making plays regardless of the scheme? And I think that's more your point. Yeah. And if you don't, then you have to adjust your scheme. If you're constantly – you don't want to do the George Carl thing where you're just like, oh, it's just my – the way I do things is so effective that I'm just not going to change it ever. It's like, no, your thing is effective when you have really good players running it. If you don't, then you have to make adjustments. And if you can't make the adjustments properly, then this is what's going to happen. And that 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 was one of my questions today to actually uh, Coach Lynn was about the – it was more so on the offensive side of the ball and how – Coaches in the past would draft a player and force them to run their scheme, where coaches today are drafting players and modifying their their game, their strategy to what the players can do best. And that's obviously the league has morphed to that over the last five, six, seven, eight, ten years. However, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. Dan Reeves had Michael Vick running his place until he was out of there. And I think it was his final year that they, they said, oh, Dan Reeves tried to loosen up and said, okay, hey, I, hey, I do have a quarterback rollout where you can just run and take off. But up until that point, he was Dan, Michael Vick was trying to run John Elway's place. You follow what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I asked uh, I asked Coach about that today, and, he, you know, that, that – interview will be available on, on YouTube a little later. Um, but that that's a great question. Do you have the personnel to effective to run your, your run your scheme? That's a great great question. Um we'll talk about the Cowboys, man. The Cowboys play inspired football against your Steelers who you know, I I'll go ahead and, and fans give you uh a, a look into the show, but uh these Steelers who somebody have ranked number one in the ranked number one in the supremacy rankings, the winless Cowboys had them had them on the ropes there. Talk about that game and how you saw it. Or excuse me, the two and six Cowboys. Sure. Uh Cowboys came out all heart. Um try to do their best to come up with a victory. Um certainly understand that Pittsburgh Steelers weren't taking them all that seriously. Um, and probably for granted, and for most of the game, it certainly looked that way, but in the end, talent prevailed, and the Steelers were able to win. That's kind of how I saw that game. Talent prevailed. There you go again. So are you giving no credit to uh, Mike Tomlin? I give a tremendous amount of credit to Mike Tomlin. You're the one that doesn't give any credit to Mike Tomlin, as we've heard on this show on numerous occasions. If it was up to you. You probably wouldn't even be still an NFL head coach. Well, that was that was yeah. I give Mike Tomlin a tremendous amount of credit for holding that, all that together. That was probably the, that was probably the situation. I I told you last season I I needed to retract on that. I told you I did admit to that last season. I needed to retract on on Mike Tomlin and my position on him. He's he's been doing he's been managing the team well. Um, he he he's, uh, doesn't have any headaches apparently to deal with this season, except his quarterback. And but he can deal with his quarterback. So, and and then now they're eight zero. They've had some close calls though, but uh, they are there are eight zero. I believe it is. And 
um, man, they're 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 at the top of some people's list. I don't have them at the top of my list, but they're at the top of some people's list. So kudos to them. Um, Cleveland, real quick, man. Our confidence picks this year, this week. You want to review our confidence picks for this week? You want to tell the fans where they where they stand? Oh well, for the confidence picks, I was a. Uh... I was absolutely dead solid perfect with uh, Kansas City winning their game, New England squeaking out their game, the Ravens winning their game, Green Bay taking care of business, and the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah, I mean you, I was right. And 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 and, and has as well as you, uh, you know, Minnesota squeaking out a victory, Houston uh, beating up on Jacksonville. Good job, Green Bay. Uh, Titans winning their game, and again, you you agree with Casey with me as well. So you were perfect as well. So that's how the confidence picks went. A push, if you will, both perfect. A, a push, a push. And for the season, it's ninety six to ninety eight. Uh, Cleveland does have a slight lead. And you want to let the people know how you did in your picks against the spread in your pick segment this this week. So you know, young Sam, as you guys know, is a. Uh, pretty much dead solid perfect on these picks most of the time. Uh, there was a few that kind of got away from him. Dead solid perfect. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. So, you know, being, you know, you know, coming up two for three on him, you know, that's okay. Um, Cam looks like you did pretty well. Um, the Raiders did, uh, did cover. The Saints did cover. And, uh, you know, the Dolphins went into the desert and won. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, picks against the spread, what are we for the year? Picks against the spread, it's looking like, you know, I'm, again, I, I get pistol whipped, you know, pencil whipped in this every once in a while. So, I'll have to go back and look at it, but it looks like uh, you have a slight advantage. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have to call for the recount and uh, see if we can't change this around a little bit. Uh, but right now, it's like you're uh, one, one, one uh, victory up on me. Not quite well, sure actually, how that's working out, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll look into that. Actually, the pitch against the spread is uh, it's is dead even right now. It's a uh, pitch against the spread for the for the season is it's dead even right now at uh, seventeen out of twenty seven for the year. Um, and the picks overall pick segment it's seventy uh, percent to sixty nine percent. So somebody's getting a C, somebody's getting a D, and that'd be me getting a C. Um, and as I mentioned, Cleveland, you are the voice of the fan supremacy rankings this this week. I have KC at number one. I still think KC is the best team in the league. I think with the with Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing to the league, they're still the best team in the league. They did have a hiccup where they lost one game this year, but uh, I don't base this on your your record. I base this on the eye test. And Pittsburgh is, I mean, come on, Dallas has a if they have a, a college quarterback, a legitimate college quarterback, they might win that game. But they're playing with a D three guy. Come on man, get out get out of here with that. And then takes them it takes them to the um you know, pushes them to the brink. I got so I got I do have Pittsburgh at number two. I have New Orleans uh, with their performance. Uh, vaulting back into my top five supremacy rankings at number three. I do have Green Bay with their coming off their punishment of the forty ers and I have Baltimore hanging around um at number five. I think they're a really good team. Um I think they're just waiting for 
things to click in for Lamar Jackson. Um, they've been able to play really good football up until this point, but once they're at six and two, when things click in for Lamar and with the team already playing consistent defense, when they get the running game going, they're just waiting on – it's funny – it sounds funny to say they're waiting on the MVP to kind of return the form, but that's kind of what it is. Um, when Lamar Jackson starts create, completing some passes and getting that run game going again, I mean, they're just, they are just a dangerous team. So that they ran out my top five. Uh, you got – Pittsburgh, KC, things looks like you believe the same about Baltimore. Uh, we both have Green Bay at number four. But explain to the people, man, how you have Buffalo at number five. Come on, man. Really? Explain to the people. This. Sure. Sure. They're they're seven and two. They were able to oh, beat uh, a team that was six and one prior to that um, at home. A very impressive victory. The most impressive victory uh, of the weekend. Let, let's not make any. Uh, the most know, impressive victory that. of the weekend? Yeah, no, then beating been, the Seattle Seahawks was the most. That, that would have been that would have been Arizona probably. Oh wow! Are you, are, you, are, you, are you still trying to get? Are you still trying to pick up votes, Cam? Come on, that was not the most <laughs> impressive victory of, of the week. It, it clearly oh, was not. Yeah. They beat the MVP of the league and a team that was number three in my supremacy rankings last week, and I'm pretty sure they were in your top five last week as well. So that was the most impressive victory of the week. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah. well, and your and your New Orleans Saints, come on, that defense is not that great. And your Kansas City Chiefs, come on, man, their defense isn't that great either. They're not that well balanced. Of course, they have Mahomes. They can do some things. That offense is, you know, electrifying. But they're not as balanced as the Steelers, and you know that. Well, Mahomes evens it out. I mean, the Mahomes evens it out. And and when you say balance, I mean, who are you? Who's your running back for the Steelers? James Conner. Terminator. So you just so you just completely dumped on the bandwagon of uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, you forget about Le'Veon Bell. You forget that they do have. Um, they just picked up. Uh, uh, well, they just picked up Le'Veon Bell, and they have another guy, Thompson, who wherever this guy came from, you you forget about these guys. They've been. Have, no, uh, I said their. I said their offense was. I said their offense was prolific. I said they weren't balanced. Is what I said. Oh, okay. well, oh well. They, they, what do you mean? They have the number six defense in the league, in the game. Their defense uh-huh. might and be better Pittsburgh's, than the Steelers. And what's, and, what's, and what's Pittsburgh's defense? I, I think they're two, maybe. Okay. Okay. A little higher. A little higher. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they're two. And and they're undefeated. Okay. You see, you're starting to come around. You, you're starting to put the pieces together, Cam. You're getting close. No, I still uh, my 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 ranking is what it is, and Buffalo at number, I Buffalo at number they might be number nine on my list. That's a, that's a little hard. Oh, okay, okay, but sure. you know yeah. it, it, it's it's fresh in your mind. It, you just got a fresh butt whooping, so I understand how they get into your list. I, I I see I can see that. That's easy for fans to see. Um. So, Mr. Cleveland, let's take a little break here. When we come back, man, we're going to talk about some NBA topics. We're going to talk about some rumors that uh, we've hear, heard that's going on in the nation. Uh, we still have this week in history, so let's take a little break right here. What's good? What's good, fans? Thank you guys for tuning in to another 
fantastic show. This is segment two. This is our NBA segment here. We're going to talk about some of the stuff, the rumors that we've been hearing, give you some details on what's going on with the NBA. Cleveland. As we know now, the season is going to get started in December 22nd. Training camp is going to start December 1st. Free agency is going to start next Friday, I believe it is, the 20th, Friday or Saturday next week. The NBA draft is a week from tomorrow, a week from today, actually. NBA draft a week from today, two days later. Is, uh, so on next Friday, they're going to have NBA free agency start. There's obviously, we don't know what the draft is going to look like. We haven't been able to, because they haven't had no college basketball season. You know, some players, is Wiseman the same player he was a year and a half ago? What about LaMelo Ball? Is he better or is he worse? And not touching the court after a year or two. Um, R.J. Washington, will we see him, the kid who went to Australia, will we see him on a, get drafted? Um, I haven't heard anything, any talk about him. Um, well, who knows what's going to happen in the draft? That's going to make that draft even more intriguing because sometimes you kind of got an idea who's sliding where, who, who, what team is looking at this guy, what team is looking at this guy. But we really don't know. Or I don't know. I haven't heard who's going where or what that is. But we have heard some recent trade rumors. Um, the first trade rumor I've heard was something that kind of cropped up. I've heard CP3 to the Lakers. I've heard that one. I heard CP3 to the Knicks. Although that hasn't appeared to materialize that. I've heard CP3 to Milwaukee. That probably makes the best sense. But Milwaukee doesn't – do they want to spend for Chris Paul? And what do they have to give up for Chris Paul? Just recently, her CP3 to the Suns. Which one of those trades do you think is the best fit for Chris Paul? Best fit for Chris Paul would be the Milwaukee Bucks. They're the most uh, ready-to-win team at present <clears throat> and a team that understands – I don't – I don't want to say that understands his personality. Maybe that's the wrong choice of words, but it would be the most tolerant um, given his um, leadership style, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Giannis wants to win now and he wants to win very desperately. He wants to win very badly at all costs. So, and he is self-motivated. Unlike a lot of the other players that Chris Paul plays with, which is why he gets under their skin. So I think that would be the best fit for them. I think the Knicks are a little bit too young. I think the Suns are a little bit too far away. Um, I don't think those other teams make as much sense as the Milwaukee Bucks do. Well, I'd agree. I, I'd agree with you there. Um, I do think because of what we've seen, his, his how he turned around OKC, not many people are um, looking towards or expecting much from OKC this past season. When he went there, they were thinking, in fact, the the thought was that Chris Paul is going to be traded before the trading deadline. Well, midway through the season, we saw Chris Paul had them guys on a plus 500 record and fourth or fifth in the West. And they actually finished sixth in the West, if I'm not mistaken. But that was much better than anybody anticipated, showing that in a resurrection situation that Chris Paul could stay healthy, that he was absolutely a good leader, and that he can help a young team. And I think that's why the Milwaukee Bucks, not the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that's why the Phoenix Suns would be interested in him. him. I think that's why he would be a good fit for the New York Knicks because the New York Knicks are dying for a star. um, 
he would he would be in a big market and they would promote the heck out of him and I think that would actually be maybe not the the best fit because I agree with you Milwaukee would be the best fit for him but I think that would be a good fit him going to the Knicks and the Knicks out as we know haven't been really relevant in basketball for many years a couple decades anyway and that would be a good fit for them based on what he did last year with the, the OKC Thunder and expecting him to do similar in the Eastern Conference, getting to the, the Knicks to a fourth or fifth seed in the Eastern Conference would be a tremendous feat. And that would be even a more favorable look on Chris Paul. The Knicks, and could you think of, could you imagine the the fanfare and the press and the the, the outlook upon Chris Paul would then have once he did that in New York. I mean, come on. That's why I think that would be a, a good fit. Phoenix Suns, again, because of what the perform, I think they're looking at him, what he did with the OKC Thunder last year. He, he if just imagining he duplicate that same effort and getting the best play out of uh, DeAndre Ayton and, and uh, Devin Booker, I think kind of puts him elevates their status in the East, in the Western Conference. So I think for they're looking at those two teams, the Knicks and the and the Suns, they're looking at for that reason alone. And I think that that makes it a good look. Um, clearly, he's not going to be in OKC next year, so they're they're out of the question. Um, so I don't know. I, I I would I wouldn't mind seeing him. I wouldn't mind seeing him with with Milwaukee Bucks and giving them a legit chance to to win in the East. I would I would like that as well, but him in New York I like to see what that what that does, and I think that would be it's kind of um, you have a championship aspirations in Milwaukee, you have everything else in New York, <laughs> so everything you know you have the acclaim, you have the 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 reputation, you have the media, you have the off the off the court advantages of New York. You have everything else in New York. You have championship aspirations in Milwaukee, which is most important. And I don't, I don't know how you answer that question. Um, I don't know what the, only individual can answer that question. But um, either one of those trades, I think, would be a good look for Chris Paul. Him, him to the to the Lakers. I heard that early on. I don't hear much of that anymore. Um, he does. He would command a, a high dollar. The Lakers would have to give up a whole lot, and I don't know that they're in a position or want to do a lot of that. Not only pay, but then give up some player for him because he's still in the contract. I don't know if they want to do do that. Um, what about Westbrook to the Clippers? Have you heard that one? You know, I've heard a little bit of that, Cam. And, you know, I was really rather disappointed when I heard, uh, you know, all of the uh, Westbrook and Harden rumors um, you know, after their green light guy moved on to, uh, you know, Philadelphia. And, and it sounds to me like um, if they just can't run up and down the court and just shoot the ball every time they want, then they, they don't want any parts of being in Houston, which is kind of weird. Um, not even giving, you know, uh, Paul Silas' son, you know, the benefit of the doubt, you know, at least, at least give me one season to kind of see what's going on. But, uh, you know, not – not surprising that he wants to go to, you know, Clipperland. Um, you know, he's an L.A. kid. He had a chance to be a Laker before. He didn't want to. Um, now he's going to the, you know, 
messing around with the B team, and you know that was obviously there. Wait, 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 wait. The, the B team, we call them. Yeah, I call them. I call them the B team. Wanna know why? Oh my or, or or do you already or do you already know why? I don't, I don't have to explain, right? I mean, let let the people know why you just so uh, you you you're so arrogant. Um, and, and so uh, uh, about this, let the people know why this is so. Well, cha- well, well, sure. Championships breed arrogance, Cam, as as you well know. <laughs> oh, um, the Clippers, wow. the Clippers have none. Lakers have seventeen. Um, they're clearly the inferior team in the city of Angels. So that's why I call them the B team. Your team has went to the playoffs one time in one team in the last ten years. And they made the most of it, didn't they, Camp? And they made the most of it. The the most you can make of of that one opportunity. Right? I mean, I I think the Clippers have been there like nine times in that same period. (laughs) And and haven't gotten past the second round. Okay. This guy. But from a basketball perspective, I mean, I guess they would have to give up Paul George in order to make that, you know, the numbers work. Um, I just don't see where he he makes them any better. I mean, it's hard it's hard to say that, you know, uh, someone three years removed from being the most valuable player in the NBA and watching triple-double um, doesn't make your team better. But um, to take that next step, I haven't seen Russ really actually take it. And one of the things that I heard, speaking of Russell Westbrook, is that one of the reasons he is a player he is is because Kobe told him not to defer to Kevin Durant. And he's always just kind of had that mentality, like, I'm the dude, and I'm going to make it happen. Oh, Kobe Bryant still still uh, in the NBA, huh? He's still, he's still his, 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 voice, his voice is still just that influential. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's almost as crazy as you not deferring to Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, it's like... Well, did you, would you I, expect I, anything I, less from Kobe Bryant? Right, exactly, exactly that. But if you're going to walk around with that type of mentality, you have to be able to back it up. Russ has never been able to back it up. I wouldn't say never been able to back it up. He hasn't backed it up in the okay. last couple of well, years. Oh, really? What, 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 when has he ever backed it up? You just mentioned he was an MVP two, three seasons ago. You just you just said he, that he, 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 sure, he sure was, and they went to the first. They, but they played in the Western Conference, so that got them to the first or second round of the playoffs. Right. So, are you going to blame that on MVP, or are you going to blame that on a bad team? Earlier, earlier, you're telling me it's all about players. No, no, no. Is, no. What, what I said, what I said, is he had a conversation with Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant said, "Don't defer to Kevin Durant." That that in and of itself is a mistake, unless you're going to back it up with some incredible type of performance that you actually don't need the best player on the on the planet. You should always defer to Kevin Durant, unless you're LeBron James. Why why wouldn't you defer to Kevin Durant? Well, I mean that was bad coaching. So I mean that that was bad coaching. Not only I mean, was it, Brian, it, but. Not only for Kobe Bryant, but the coach on the floor. I mean, the coach on the floor. No, I mean, it, it was it was it was good advice if you have that mob mentality and you're able to take it to that other level without that other player, which Kobe was able to do without Shaq. But Russell Westbrook's not going to be able to do that without Kevin Durant. Uh, Kobe needs some help. 
I mean, he couldn't. He wouldn't do it much until he got Powell. they raped Memphis for the. For but he, the but he did, but he, but he wasn't. But he didn't have to defer to him. He actually had to defer to Shaq, and rightfully so. He was the most dominant player on the court. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just interesting tidbit with regards to Russell Westbrook's mentality. But does he make the Los Angeles Clippers a championship contender? In and of no. itself, his physical no. athletic ability, yes. But his no. basketball IQ and his no. ability to no. execute down the stretch, no. Right? Kawhi, Kawhi when he, I think his last uh, press conference, he said they need to get smarter. Uh, they need to have better basketball IQ. Um, that doesn't do – that doesn't make – That does not translate to a Russell Westbrook <laughs> trade, right? Yeah. And that, he, doesn't and check, those, he doesn't check any of those boxes. Yeah. And that – I don't know that that relationship lasts through through uh, February, <laughs> if, if that if that works. Although, you know, um, he does – Kawhi does need somebody who can – Getting this shit a little bit. Take a little, a little and bit. someone can take a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah. But man, um, you, uh, Russ needs Russ needs to be able to just you know do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And, yeah, I don't know. That's not that's not the first trade I'm making. If I'm Ty Lue, that's not the first move I'm going for to, to bring Russell Westbrook on the squad. As much as I like Russ, I like much as I appreciate what he's done in the game. That's not the first move. I'm, if I'm Ty Lue, that's not the first move I'm going for. Not a, not at no. all. Um. So I don't I don't know where's a good home if they if they're not happy in Houston. Um. You know because they they're just kind of playing with pieces now. They they've they're kind of the cupboard is bare for Paul Silas's son, and unfortunately they don't have a lot to go for. I've heard Baca going to Houston because they, they need a big man. They need a semblance of a big man. I think trading Capella was a dumb decision when they, when they did it and it hasn't fared well um, at all. So um, they need a semblance of a big man. You can't have uh, what's my man, number 17, uh, Tucker. You can't have him Playing, yeah, at being six, your anchor, or being your center, <laughs> like, I no. mean, like you can't do all that. the heart, all the heart in the world, man. But uh, yeah, man, yeah. it's just yeah. you know a physical mismatch every night by yeah. you know several inches and several pounds. Yeah, it's not cool. Yeah, so I think that's a bad look, man. So we got this next few uh, couple months in the NBA before the season even gets underway will be extremely exciting. Well, not not a couple months, a couple weeks. Because uh, here weeks. we are, uh, here we are, already at the mid-November mark. To the, the as I mentioned, the draft is on the 18th, next a week from tonight when we're recording. The free agency is on the 20th. Then training camp starts another week and a half later, and then the season begins. You know, just before Christmas. So, um, before you know it, you're going to be opening your presents and seeing. NBA on ESPN, NBA on ABC, uh, watching Jalen and Maria Taylor do their thing. And we're going to have NBA basketball. So that's going to be cool to see. It's uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm glad the – well, I already knew the owners were going to win that deal because it came down to money. So um, I'll be excited to see some NBA action when it when it comes. You know, unlike, unlike what some people are saying, they don't – 
They need a longer break from the NBA. It's been too soon. I'm like, come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> These guys get paid enough money. Let them get on the court. Let's see what we got. Let's see. Let, let's get going. Let's get the uh, seasons back on schedule as it should be. Um, so we'll see how we'll see how things break out. We'll see. Actually, keep an eye on on the trade situation, the how the trades are made, and what the trading. Not the deadline is, but what trades are made, and we'll keep you guys abreast of this. But until then, fans, basketball is going to – sports is going to be busy here for the rest of the year because you're going to – you guys already got college football. We got the NFL kind of midway through their uh, season. You got college football ramping up, and, you know, provided COVID doesn't kill everything off, you know, as there, it's impacted some college games now. There's a college game been called off for this this week already. With LSU and Alabama, has been called off for this week. But by December, NBA, not sure if they're going to do it in in the regional bubbles or, in fact, how they're going to uh, kick off the season. But they they have it scheduled to kick off the season. We'll get more detail on that. Maybe we'll have an answer for you on that next week. Uh, if they're going to do regional bubbles, how they're going to do it, what the schedule looks like. Nobody's seen the schedule to this point. So we'll have that conversation next week, kind of touch on on that, Cleveland. Uh, for now, let's take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, this this day in history. And then we got a few more NBA or NFL topics to discuss. But right now, let's have um, take a break, and we'll come back and talk about this day in history. Hey, fans. One thank you guys for tuning in to our Voice of the Fans podcast, as you do each and every week. We appreciate the love. Please make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend about our show. Additionally, I'd like to ask that you guys subscribe to our Voice of the Fans YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Voice of the Fans, hit the subscribe button. What you're going to find there is a lot of exclusive content. Interviews between Greg Popovich and myself, Scott Farrell, Sports Talk host and myself. You're going to hear my conversation with Emmett Smith. Hear why he tells me to go do some research. You're also going to see my interview with Jim Brown, legendary Jim Brown. You're going to see my interviews with Eric Dickerson. You're going to see my interview with Terrell Davis. Hear why Terrell Davis says that Broncos running system was not a system. Hear his explanation of that. Once again, Voice of the Fans on YouTube page. Check it out. Again, tell a friend to tell a friend because we appreciate that love. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. What's good? What's good, fans? Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for hanging with us on episode 112 of the Voice of the Fans podcast. Cleveland, every week we do This Week in History, kind of give us some kind of education to the folks. Not only do we provide exclusive content and exclusive debate and banter on NFL topics. I, I got to correct you every week. You know, we got our pick segment that, you know, I'm going to win the pick segment by the end of the year. 
Um, we also mm-hmm. always have some debate topics, NBA debate topics. But I'd like to bring you um, this week in history, kind of educational piece for anybody who might be listening, and some trivia questions. Cleavon, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there once again. Uh, thank you if you have served and you currently serve. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your patronage. We certainly appreciate it. Um, one thing off the record, one you didn't. Are you ready to to announce your new president to congratulate your new president? Or are you still waiting for all the ballots to be um, counted out? You know, I, I'm ready to get this process started. Um, it definitely seems like some sour grapes um, on the other end. Ironically, I was watching a, a, a HBO documentary called 571 Votes about the recount in Florida, the 2000 election. This is nothing near that close. So why uh, the transition hasn't happened is, uh, I shouldn't say beyond me. It's uh, very uh, predictable. But, yes, I am uh, definitely ready to welcome in uh, 46th President Joe Biden. Okay. Well, congratulations to Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. But it really is really looking very similar to – and uh, when I say this, is uh, you, you think back to 2016, where oddly enough, you know Hillary Clinton lost, and I think she gave her concession speech a day or two later, and we didn't hear from her for about another um, 12 to 15 months. And the only time we would hear her name was brought up by the president who actually won, would continue to bring her up, and then he, then he was saying that. The electoral college votes is everything that you should focus on. Now the electoral college votes doesn't make all the decisions. Doesn't isn't the end all be all. That, that's kind of funny how that switched up and you know worked for you last term or last election. This this election that doesn't work for you now. It's everything's rigged and everything um, doesn't count. And they should stop counting and stop counting the Philly and continue to count in Nevada, like or or not Nevada, Arizona. Like, come on, man. Which are you going to pick? Which one are you going to complain about? Um, like you said, let's move on. But I just brought that up because uh, we're talking about you know USA and the veterans and kudos to veterans and what they've done. But this day in history, D. McCree patented the portable fire escape. This was back in 1890, so quite a quite a some time ago. But D. McCree patent the portable fire escape 1966 a little closer to your born day mr cleavon edward brooks elected as the first black u.s senator in 85 years this was in massachusetts again and this is only in 1966 in 85 years he was the became the first one in 85 years so at least it didn't take 85 years for it to be a new president but it took 40, well, 44 terms, I should say. It literally didn't take 85 terms. It took 44, which is, I guess, close to the same amount of years, right? <laughs> when you think about it. Um, 11-11-1990, you might remember this moment. Derek, Tom, Derek Thomas set the NFL record seven sacks in a game, and guess who he did that against? He did that against the Seattle Seahawks and uh, almost had his eighth sack, 
but actually yeah. just barely missed Dave Craig, who then uh, flung got, the ball to Paul Scanty. Snuck out of the pocket, flung the ball to Paul Scanty for the game-winning touchdown. So even though we had those seven sacks, they didn't win. <laughs> but, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But it was it was a, an individually uh, incredible performance. And Dave Craig looking like Randall Cunningham as he ducked out of, <laughs> ducked out of that sack, and then got like you say got the ball off the got the ball off for the game when it took TD. You're right about that. Um, and then eleven eleven two thousand two, your boy Barry Bonds became the first major league player to win the league's most valuable player title five times. That's pretty impressive, man. That's before the whole scandal. Right, steroid scandal, and he was already acquired. Uh, right about that time, he ultimately ended up with seven, and he really actually should have had nine. There were there were two that went to other players that that didn't deserve it. So, wow, okay, okay. Um, move on. So the NFL talked about for the last three years since the, since the movie concussion, and you know, right there was. One argument about uh, protesting and Colin Kaepernick scenario. Uh, well, I guess the the movie concussion and the concussion protocol, CTE, all that came out just a year or two before uh, Colin Kaepernick took the knee, and then you know that kind of died died down with the the concussions. But then they've been making all these rules along with the safety, like the the no hitting rule or no helmet to helmet contact and you know, no hitting below the knee and changing all these rules up. And they, they do all this in the, um, behind the, the cloak of player safety. Then this year we have COVID situation and they've been trying to sneak in an extra game for the last two years or two extra games. They got one in the CBA this past season. So the players are playing for 17 weeks, right? And they have the bye week. Now, since they couldn't get the 18 games in, they sneak an extra playoff a, a playoff team in there, right? So there's 17 make the playoff versus historically only 16 make the playoffs. So now the NFL adds another playoff game. So, and the way they say this is if a critical game is missed. Well, Cleveland, what's a critical game? What would you consider a critical game? If if Tom Brady's not able to play um, this past Sunday against the Saints, is that a critical game that's missed? So, so therefore, we had to add another game. If Josh Allen isn't be able to play against the Miami Dolphins, is that a critical game? What is a critical game? Uh, it's it, it, kind of it's kind of left to the imagination of who the the owners. Like, what? How are they deciding what a critical game is? And that I just find that's kind of odd that they're sneaking in now an extra team. So now instead of seven teams make the playoffs, eight teams are going to make the playoffs. What's your thoughts on that process? Um, I understand both sides of it. I mean, for on the one side, it's like every game is a critical game because every game counts in the in the in the standings. Every game is important. Every game is um, players putting their you know health and safety on the line. Um, and every game is um, earning their paycheck. On the other end of it, though, you get towards the end of the season, uh, the 0-14 Jets versus the 
two and thirteen Giants. That's not a critical game. The Chiefs uh, at eleven and two, and uh, Pittsburgh at twelve and one. That's critical, man. So it's it's real easy to determine which game is critical and which one is not, as far as making it up. Now the problem is that you diminish the significance of what those other teams and players are doing by kind of making this, you know, announcement that only critical games are going to be replayed or critical games are going to have significance. It, you know, it definitely makes them, it look like they're not important, um, which is a a bad look. But at the same time, if you're going to make up games, it's not going to be the Jaguars at the, at the Bengals. I mean, as far as deciding which games to make up and which games not to make up. Okay, well, it's not making up games. They're saying critical games uh, will be added to the playoffs. So then the Chiefs in the Steelers game, as you the example you're given, they don't play. So now they're going on winning percentage when they go to the playoffs. So they end up playing 15 games a season, and we're looking at their winning percentage versus they're looking at uh, the Miami Dolphins who come in with the uh, – winning five of their last six games, five of their last seven games, and they have a, what, a nine and six record or the Los Angeles Chargers coming in winning, you know, six of their last seven games who's, who has a 10 and six record, um, and, but not as good as winning for Sydney. So they're not in the playoffs now because they didn't play as many games. Their winning, their winning percentage is less and, and the Steelers and the Chiefs didn't have to play as many games for the year. I, I'm not sure that that evens out, man. Um, but we'll see how. I mean, your the example you gave is good is a good example. But we'll see how things shake out, man. There's going to be some touchy moments right in there somewhere, and somebody's not going to be happy. I'm sure. Um, after that butt whooping that the Seahawks has taken, does that take away the where does Russell Wilson, where is he on your MVP list? Is it still Patrick Mahomes and followed by Aaron Rodgers and then Russell Wilson? Is it Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers? Where, where does he land on your MVP list at, at this point in the season? You said it right the first time. Uh, definitely taking a couple of uh, steps back with two uh, multiple turnover games in the last three. Um He was on pace to do some really big things. Um, He would have to really get back on the horse and uh, do some substantial things to, I think, win the race at this point. Um, I think I think the two bad performances will ultimately uh, sway the voters and then in other directions. Um, It was cool while it lasted, um, but he's thrown a few too many picks last couple of games. I think five last uh, two out of the last three games. so it would be hard for him to get back on it. Obviously, I'm still pulling for him, and, you know, he's physically, you know, gifted enough to do so. But I just don't think there's enough time left to uh, to overtake Mahomes or, or Aaron Rodgers at this point. And poor kid, man. He has so much pressure on him to, to do something because they have to make a play. It seems like he has to make a play every drive or put points on the board every drive because the defense isn't going to stop anybody. So um, poor kid for Russell and shame on uh, – Shame on the coaching staff for not having better talent on that position. Yeah, and you know, having better talent out there. You know, I, and I, that I, running I, game. 
well, you know, shame on the coaching staff because not put not giving him quality running game. They just now after what what year is this for Russell in the league? Six or seven years? It took him seven years to get him a quality receiver, quality receiving core. It they haven't never gave him a quality. Well, he came in the league with Marshawn Lynch, so we had a dominant running game at that time. Um, the de- defense was solid, but I mean, since those since the players that um, were scouted by the coach as he's cheating down in USC. Since those players have come and gone, um, he hasn't been able to identify quality talent apparently. And when he came into the league, that was his that was his calling card. Oh, he can identify talent. He can create these competitive competitive Wednesdays where everybody's competing for their position and all this blah blah bluster blah blah blah. He has not only has not been able to identify talent. He's not being able to attract new talent. Um, the talent he gets in there, uh, i.e. Jadavion Clowney, i.e. Jamal Adams, they just kind of fall by the wayside and expect it to do everything based on talent alone because there's no there's no coaching. Um, I, I'm I'm you know if I was a Seahawks fan I'd be upset. Um, that grip wouldn't be as tight as uh as you say it is because there's you have reason to be upset and if you're not wearing the wearing the uh green and blue goggles you can see you can easily see kind of what's going on there it's been bad management lack of coaching and lack of talent observation that's kind of put russell in a very tough situation um and if i was russell i i wouldn't be so happy right now i'd be i'd be probably looking uh you know, to to see wh- who who wants to treat me better. Wow, you you managed to alienate two fan bases in the same show. That's that's impressive. <laughs> um, I mean, you have to be feeling the same way, right? Don't you? Well, we all knew that when Pete Carroll came in, there was a five year window with which he was going to have that ability to assess talent at a higher level than everyone else. And he proved that. Oh, what only um, five years? When Russell, when, when Russell, yes, because after that, the players that you have recruited are are removed. They've graduated. They've moved on. That's oh, that's so you can't so window. you can't re, so you can't identify talent after those the fire. So that's not what I'm saying. Recruited. That's not what I'm saying, that's Cam. Exactly that's like not what I'm saying. saying. What I, what I'm <laughs> saying is that he had his finger on the pulse of college football like no other coach for five years because he was the top recruiter in college football. So, yes, he had seen every player that was anything or was ever supposed to be anything at least once. But after five years, yeah, you're no longer that closely attached to the college game. So, yeah, your ability to assess talent is going to be different. But, again, unlike the Miami Dolphins, the Seahawks only missed the playoffs one time in the last in, – in the entire Pete Carroll era. And Russell Wilson's only missed the playoffs one time in his eight-year career. So, yeah, the defense is really terrible right now. Hopefully they can do some things schematically to at least – to at least – Offensive line is just fine. Offensive line is just they, fine. They don't the have problem a, is that they don't, they don't have, have a running game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the pressure falls on Russell Wilson. Um, again, through all this, they are they – are, through all this, they are six and two, and they are still um, atop the NFC West and the second best record in the NFC. So, yeah. 
you know, things um, are not quite nearly as uh, dire straits as you're making them out to be, but, you know, that's just a, a part of it. I'm just saying, man, my, my man has to do a lot of work, man. He seems like he's doing everything. He he is the team. He And if, it does, if he doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. And Russell Wilson I'm talking about. Uh, question for you. Um, you know, I've talk, talked a lot about, about Tua and the competition that he had with the Arizona Cardinals, but on the other side of the ball was Kyler Murray. Is Kyler Murray better than Lamar Jackson today? And who, out of the three young quarterbacks, Tua, Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, or Joe Burrow, which quarterback uh, would you want leading your team in the next uh, several years? No, Kyler Murray is not better than Lamar Jackson today. Joe Burrow will lead my team going forward. Okay. Um, we have a couple fights coming up here right around the corner. Oh, well, let me add a third fight here, too. We had Terrence Crawford fighting this weekend against Kell Brooks, which should be a walkover for Crawford, in my opinion. Who do you see? How do you see this fight going? You know what, Cam? I'm uh, boycotting talking about those other uh, divisions until those cats – uh, get in the ring and fight each other. I'm on. I'm on the periphery, man. I'm on. I'm on those what? other people that fight each other, man. Well, you I'm got not, Earl talking Spence about and Danny division. Garcia. You got Earl Spence and Danny Garcia fighting this weekend. That doesn't move you. There's a division where a fight should have been made at least two years ago that hasn't been made yet, and I just re- refrain to talk about that. Okay, he's boycotting boxing for now. I'm, I'm, okay, t- well, I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of the politics of boxing. Why aren't those two people fought yet? Well, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson say no, no politics. They they throw politics out the window. They fight actually November twenty eighth. What's your thoughts on a Roy Jones and Mike Tyson fight? Uh, I hope Roy doesn't go out like Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> It's going. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I, I hope he's still quick too because he's still gonna, you know. Although you know, as we get older, we kind of get a little bit bigger, not as fast as Pleaser's foot. And uh, I'm hoping he he's been on that bike, he's been on uh, jumping rope, and he's been skipping rope, and and he's been chasing chickens, and because he's gonna have to be quick to get out of these punches. That's that's what I'm hoping for Roy as well. Um, before we get out of here, fans. Um, I want somebody to chime in and, and hit Cleavon on Twitter. What's your Twitter? Um, what's your Twitter handle? Twitter handle is at Cleavy Wonder. And just hit quick Cleavy Wonder and just ask him how he's doing in the Voice of the Fans Fantasy Draft Football Draft. Just ask him that. Voice of the Fans. You, you may not get a response. I warn you now. But uh, it'd be interesting to see if he would respond to anybody about how he's doing in the fantasy voice of the fans fantasy football league. It'd be I'd be eager for him to respond at all to anybody's questions in regards to fantasy football. Because I'm gonna try to ask him, but I think he's gonna you know do his best Fred Astaire impression right now and dance around the subject. How's your fantasy football team doing, Cleveland? You know, my fantasy football team is not doing as well as uh, initially anticipated. Uh, hit a few uh, rough patches, so uh, not really where we want to be. But at the same time, uh, only two games out of the playoffs right now. Two games out of the playoffs? I mean, we're, there's 12 teams in the league. Where are you located? As of right now, I'm second to last, Cam. Second to last. 
Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, I, I be, I'm proud to tell you guys that uh, I'm one game out of the playoffs. And my team is climbing climbing the ranks right now. Um my team Oh and, and fans got, and fans the reason the reason he is that one game out is because the team that he just bashed, the Seattle Seahawks have a receiver named DK Metcalf that got a garbage time touchdown that gave him a three point victory last week over me. He leaves out minor details when 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 kind of just, you know, kind of you know, painting the picture, but I just wanted to fill in the blanks for you guys. Well, garbage time ain't now. Now it's garbage time. You were just rating, ranting and raving about him a few moments ago, but he's the best thing that that's hit the market. And now you just say you're picking up garbage time touchdowns, huh? Uh, yes, he, he scored a touchdown with what was it, 13 seconds left in the game, something like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Garbage time. Uh, we'll, we'll take. I, it. I know you will. I, I know you will because it propelled you to victory by three points. It doesn't matter when it happens. It happened, right? Okay, right. It doesn't matter who does it for you, right? I mean, talk bad about them all you like for 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 as long as you like. You know, eventually you're gonna find out. Eventually you're gonna find out. That's all I'm saying. Just just like three hundred five nation, eventually they're gonna find out. I mean, well, again, they already know what's up. They they already know what's up. Um. And like I said, I have that conversation with them here soon. So when when I check down at the three oh five. Um fans, I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I wanna leave you with a quote before we go. If the if there were camera phones back in the day, the biggest athletes in the world would have a lot of explaining to do. Uh just as you hear Cleavon doing his uh dancing around topics and giving his excuses of what's going on. You know, there's there are not only are there camera phones, but there's um screenshots that we can grab. There's uh records where we where, which we can ascertain. Um mm-hmm. for him to understand and see kind of how this fantasy team has been doing throughout history. He can see and he can look back and hear that my passion and love for the Miami Dolphins has has not wavered. I've only been fact telling oh, and, and oh, telling brutal facts. So oh, there's, there's some some of this is recorded. Wow. So again, not that only hindsight is twenty twenty that camera's trying to throw you. Oh wow. Not not only is is Mr. Kobe Bryant correct when he says uh the biggest athletes would have a lot of explaining to do. Some people to this day have a lot of explaining to do. And like I mentioned earlier, they dance around like Fred Astaire when the when topics come hit them right in their face. Um Cleveland, it's been a pleasure to, to, to do the show. Thank you for your participation or your participation. Thanks for running along with me. Um fans. Thank you guys for your participation. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you also tell a friend to tell a friend about the baddest podcast in the land. And as always, fans, I want to thank you for making our voice your choice. Hey, Marcel Smiley right here. Thank you for making our voice your choice. You know what I'm saying? Let me give me a beat, dog. Let me get something. Let me get something. <laughs>